It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. You can find Blackballed on The Ringer NFL feed. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan, happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening, you're to, listening to, to You're listening to And you're listening to, you're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of The Ringer Wrestling Show. Uh, I'm David Shoemaker. You hear me a lot around here. If you listen to my other podcast, I do this podcast called The Press Box with my oldest friend, Brian Curtis. How you doing, Brian? It's good to see you in this... In real, in real life? In real life. Uh, also in a different podcast. We're doing something very special today. You are going to be at WrestleMania with me on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about going to WrestleMania with you, and I was just like, I can't wait to hang out with Brian, and I can't wait to answer all the questions he has <laughs> about who that guy is and why these people don't like each other. And I was like, why not... Just do it on a podcast. Because you know why? This is WrestleMania. We have more fans who are, shall we like to call lapsed fans, watching now than ever before, than ever, any other time of the year. So let's just make it official. The Lapsed Fans Guide to WrestleMania 39. I absolutely love it. I'm going to be tugging on your sleeve here mm-hmm. instead of near the ring on Saturday night. Fantastic. Exactly. We've already done, I've already done my previews uh, on the Masked Man show for this show. I've already talked with wrestling nerds as much as I need to. I want to talk to someone who's not been paying that much attention <laughs> and see if I can explain uh, who some of these people are and who some of these feuds are. We're just going to whisk through some of these and really just hit on the big ones. The big, the first big show of the night is, uh, is I mean, the first big match of Saturday will be Austin Theory versus John Cena. Now, let me ask you. Do you know who Austin Theory is? I don't. Did you, did you look at a picture of Austin Theory? I haven't. All right, look at look at Austin Theory. You know who John Cena is, right? I, I know who John Cena is. When you think of John Cena, do you think of uh, an actor or do you think of a wrestler? I still think of a wrestler because I may be a lapsed wrestling fan, but I completely and purposely blacked out John Cena's acting career. You don't ever, you and Christine don't go watch a John, would you, Chris, your wife would think of him as an actor, right? Is she like aware of his no, acting career? No idea who he is, no. Oh my gosh. Well, pretty soon, like, Owen's going to know who he is. Your kids are going to know, and then it's going to be all over. All right. Um, I, I'm looking at Austin Theory. What is the first thing you think of? If you had to look at that guy and make him into a wrestling character, you got to come up with his gimmick. What would you do? Ooh. Um, guy I knew in college who knew a bunch of stuff about movies. Oh, movies. That's not the direction. I think it's like guy I knew in college who, like, you know, liked to do keg stands. <laughs> okay. I can see that too. Sure. Um, Sometimes that was the same guy. It's true. Well, you went to a very liberal went school. To a state school. Um, uh, Austin Theory, um, 
is, I think the best way to describe Austin Theory is he's just sort of this generation's John Cena. Okay. Uh, he's, um, you know, obviously in elite physical condition. I'm just, Kerm is sitting next to me. John, just wave your hand if you want to, if you want to disagree with anything that I'm saying. He's, he's, he's in great physical condition. He's, uh, he's a better in-ring performer than John Cena in terms of like his, his ceiling, you know, what he can do. Um, he looks the part and he has clearly been, been at some point in his career ID'd by the front office as the guy who can play that part. Okay. As like the, the lead of the show. The difference between when John Cena kind of came up and when Austin Theory came up is that the fans have sort of revolted since then, since the John Cena era, and largely be, and partly because of John Cena himself. And that when someone looks the part and is handed the part, it doesn't mean they're the hero. It doesn't mean they're Hulk Hogan anymore. Now it means that you're the villain. And so Austin Theory is sort of struggling and, and to a largely sense succeeding in his struggle against how to kind of combat the expectations of the office and how the fans see that. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. We got old John Cena <coughs> versus would-be new John Cena. Mm-hmm. And he, as you say, is trying to negotiate the baggage of being the new John Cena, mm-hmm. which he has gotten off to a good start doing because he's not wearing jean shorts, at least in the picture <laughs> no. I'm looking at. No. he's uh, he's He's got some questionable facial hair. Um, yeah. That's uh, why I said guy who likes movies. Oh, it's the beard. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can see that, I guess. Um, but no, no jean shorts, uh, at least not as far as I know. Um, it, it's, I guess, here's the, here's the other thing that matters. John Cena got a lot of cheers and just as many boos during his heyday. But he's, everybody loves him now because he's coming back. You know, there's nothing that fans... I think the most what the fans love more than anything, and you know this, is the feeling that the stars they're watching are committed to the pro wrestling. You're not too big for us. There was a famous WrestleMania 20 when Brock Lesnar and and Goldberg fought each other, and both of them were leaving. The reason why they were fighting each other, I think, functionally, was because they didn't know what to do with either of them because they were both about to leave the company, and the fans caught wind of the fact that they were both about to leave the company and just booed them both relentlessly through the match. They like both these guys, but now they're leaving. They don't care about wrestling. We just paid lots of money to show how much we care about wrestling. Look at my shirt. Look at my ticket. Like this is, and you're just walking out the door. Um, people will forgive you for going to Hollywood, like The Rock before Cena, as long as you come back on occasion. When you come back, we love you because it shows that you that you could be doing anything else in the world. You chose to be here. So no matter how much we hate. Uh, Austin Theory, ironically or seriously, if he puts in 15 years in the ring and then leaves for a while and comes back, we'll be cheering for him too. You know, no matter how much we boot him in his heyday, we'll love him when he comes back. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And we've seen that numerous times. The Rock, Hulk Hogan, do a little Hollywood, dabble a little bit, and then you come back. Yeah. We're happy to have him. The Rock was supposed to be here this year, by the way. Or like that was the widespread rumor. Now he's not here. What's he, busy or something? Football? He's got a lot of stuff. He's got the XFL to run. I was saying earlier, though, it feels like he could use the WWE more than the WWE needs him right now. Yeah. I feel we finally caught up with the think piece I wanted somebody to write for years. Like, oh, The Rock's movies are all really bad. Well, so they're really just fun. needs to say it out loud. Yeah. It's just not, it's not going great. I think fun finally bombed. And then it's like, that's okay. it. Then now you don't now. And then, and then all of a sudden you're in the position of having to insist upon your movie, which right? by the way, is part of this too. When Hulk Hogan would come back to wrestling, it wasn't, you know what? I love wrestling brother. And I owe it to the fans. It was like my Hollywood career is not going exactly the way I want it to. No. So I'm going to come back where I know I'm a star. No. Build up a little bit more and then see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk never really, Never really dined out on his Hollywood experience when he, aside from bringing no hold, the no holds barred storyline into the ring. <laughs> well, or calling himself Hollywood Hulk Well, that Hogan. was later, right? And that was tongue in cheek. It's not like he was ever just like. Yeah, but it was like, like I'm, the, I'm the dickhead from Hollywood. Well, that's, but that, that's Andy Kaufman who's going to the Hall of Fame this year. That's like, that's, it's, it's self-referential. It's not like he would like during his heyday was ever just like, I don't know, I'm dining. just cashing these Mr. Nanny, <laughs> Mr. Nanny checks, brother. <laughs> well, that was uh, a different time, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying dining out using the persona, right? And the rock is referenced that when he comes back, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm of another oh, place sure. too now, not just the wrestling ring. Um, moving on. Do you know who Logan Paul is? 
I certainly know who Logan Paul is. How do you, do you know him as a social media star, as a as a as a fight impresario, yeah. as a like you're you're just caught up on the Logan Paul thing. Actually, you probably done you probably read more magazine articles about the concept of Logan Paul than you have actually like experienced Logan Paul. That's definitely true. But when I see this here match coming up with Seth Rollins, I'm like, okay, I understand what this is because this is the semi outsider mm-hmm. who is coming into wrestling. We saw this with Pat McAfee last year, yeah. though he was an insider outsider combination, yeah. but we're going to bring somebody from another world into our sport. They always do it. WrestleMania always has a Hugh Jackman, Snooki, uh, Johnny Knoxville did it last year. That was a fun match. Oh, so much fun. Um, Seth Rollins, you know, Sure. As just a, like, it's impossible to be a part, even a, even a, you know, have, if you have, if you pay attention to wrestling a little bit, Seth Rollins is sort of an institution. Um, Would it surprise you to know that there are a lot of people, myself included, who have this on the short list of potential best matches of the weekend? Not at all. Not at all. Because it feels like this is the Logan Paul rise to the moment. And by rise to the moment, I mean deliver a, fantastic wrestling match. But wouldn't it have been shocking when we were kids to be like, like, um, who was it? Who, who was like the well, first celebrity that we, Lawrence well, Mr. Taylor. T or Lawrence Taylor? Wouldn't it have been shocking to be like, there's a reason why, you know, if Lawrence Taylor was being dragged around by Bam Bam Bigelow that whole match. <laughs> but if you were like, well, I guess when you're a kid, Lawrence Taylor was Bam Bam Bigelow. But it seemed like a big deal. And it, it definitely wasn't best match of the night. No. It was like, I hope Lawrence Taylor like catches his breath after doing one move. And but wouldn't it have been if you were an adult, if one of our parents were like, you know, whatever, someone our parents' age were watching it, they would have been like, there's no way Lawrence Taylor's gonna come in out of nowhere and have a, the best match on the card. No chance. But Logan Paul, who's wrestled a few times before, has somehow which bizarrely proven himself to already be what like an elite pro wrestler. Sort of as a wrestling fan is awesome and also a little bit disheartening. Yeah. You know, it's but it's just, that easy. Well, that easy for well to me, I know it's just that easy for him, right? It makes him a wonderful heel because it's just like it just comes easy to him. When you're having these conversations, like I do incessantly on WrestleMania weekend, when people are not wrestling fans and they're asking you stuff about it, Logan Paul is really bothersome because he makes them think that wrestling is easy. <laughs> you know, people who just follow Logan Paul or people who follow boxing or something or just like yeah Logan Paul just went in there and became one of the best in the world in like 15 minutes <laughs> so all these other guys must not be trying that hard or you know yeah you get a little bit territorial yeah um the outsider coming in like or the former Hollywood guy coming in is an easy easy heel character to play mm. Logan Paul has sort of been dabbled in being a baby face a good guy through some of his career too and I think WWE has been a little bit unsure of how to play him because they want him there for his popularity, but to a, the diehard fans, they 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 don't like you. You know, they don't like him because he's an outsider and because he's too popular and too good looking and everything else. He's a perfect heel, except for the fact that he's bringing in all these fans with him who presumably really like him. But I think what I think Logan Paul's the reason why he's been such a seamless fit is because he sort of plays heel in real life. Like that's his that's like his his fans understand kayfabe in a way that I cannot understand that I cannot explain it right they understand what like the playing the character playing the role is all about in a way that no one outside of wrestling really understands okay that's really interesting and it's also something that I've missed during my lapsed fan period Mm -hmm. which is just how online wrestling has become yeah like the idea of when you and I were sitting around in the Lower East Side watching shows that wrestlers would have a Twitter persona that they would speak from yeah regularly is really weird. Then you can, here comes Logan Paul, who is also playing that character in real life, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of, yeah. and is also extremely online. Like that, that part is all sort of mind blowing to me. It is when you talk about the wrestlers in particular. I mean, we go on the press box and we'll talk about journalists who like have to walk the fine line between what am I representing my company when I tweet or am I, am I just doing my normal, just talking to my friends when I tweet? And especially for the generation, the multiple generations of journalists who are beneath us. I mean, these are people who are using the same Twitter account that they started when they were 15, right? These these are actually Twitter accounts in which they were saying, who wants a drink when you were, when they were 21, you know, like whatever. It's like that you were, and now these same things have been repurposed into, into outlets for their, for their career. It's really weird. Wrestlers, 
have the same have a, have a similar but but much more severe sort of version of that where they're actively picking fights on Twitter with people who they because their bosses said, "Hey, go after Brian on Twitter because I want you guys to have a wrestling match at the next pay per view. Say something mean about his wife, whatever." <laughs> Or they do, or they do it off script, but they're still playing, quote unquote, playing character, right? I'm a bad guy on screen, yeah. and so people have been, oh, this this highlight package of another wrestler is getting is getting a lot of traction. Well, I'm going to just say something mean about it, right? Or something, someone working for another company says something, and they're and they're just like, I'm going to say something mean about him because he works for the other company, but I'm in character, you know. And then of course the next tweet on their timeline will be like. Hey, this is my friend Jesse. She's going. Her house just burned down. Please donate to the GoFundMe if you can. Right. You know, it's like, and, and I think that what you come to at some point, not just in wrestling, but you and I as like old men who are trying to understand internet culture and social media in the modern era, is that to most people under the age of thirty, it the difference doesn't matter, right? There's not. There is a huge distinction, yes, between tweet A and tweet B, and it's weird that they're butting up against each other. Man, nobody really cares. Yeah, they can hold both those thoughts in their head at the same time. Which is really intrinsic to pro wrestling to be able to hold two things in your head. Yes, this is a show on the one hand, and on the other hand, B, I'm going to act like it's real. You know? Mm-hmm. If those two things are not necessarily an attention. You yeah. just got you all you have to do is just embrace them both at the same time. Yeah. And then look, that's also just social media. I don't want to accidentally write the think piece of the year here yeah. again in 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 uh, reverse form, but like, you know, everybody has their wrestling persona on social media. Mm-hmm. And they live in it. And then the next tweet's like, here's my piece of journalism. All of which is to say Logan Paul was born to be a wrestler. And there probably are going to be a lot more wrestlers that come out of that generation, love it or not. Um Trish Stratus and Lita are taking play, or have a, have a match. Okay, I'm interested in this one. You remember watching both of them wrestle? Yes, with Becky Lynch, mm-hmm. who is Irish. Yeah, a lot of Irish wrestlers. Can oh. I say? Can I give you the one weirdest thing about Becky Lynch that'll make you more interested in her? Please. Was a long for a, for a number of years was a bartender on uh, Saint Mark's Place at an Irish pub over there. What? Yeah, I've never. I don't know which pub it is, although I believe I know, but. Uh, I think it's there's a strong likelihood that she served us drinks during the period of time that we were living in Lower Manhattan. <laughs> they are facing off with damage control. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about damage control, but I was so excited because it was not spelled damage control, but control like control plus V. CTRL. Yeah. Yeah. And we used to love that because whenever the WWE would spell something differently. They got to be able to copyright to it. To copyright trademark it. it or so whatever. it's like, oh, there's a wrestler named China. Oh, but it's spelled with a Y. Yeah. That was always a big... Shocker. Everything was spelled with a Y or a Z or a double X at some point in there, just so you'd have the you'd have the intellectual property. Um, also, when they would sometimes bring people over who already had misspelled name, remember like there was Rhino, and then they he became Rhino with a Y. I think I have that right. Is that right? There are a lot. There a lot. They they always they got to mess with the names, not just to make them unique and cool, but also uh, different from the other places they've worked. Yeah, the Dudley Boys. This is that guy Greg sitting here. Dudley Boys with a Z. The Hardy Boys with a Z. <laughs> the Hardy Boys pre-exist. You know, was a, was an existing copyright before they WWE. Um, and when I saw this match, I also got a familiar feeling from wrestling cards past. What? I've got an issue with uh-huh. some people, and the people who are going to help me settle it are a couple of legends. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened here. Uh, Becky Lynch is herself a living legend. Um, she's. Probably the most popular uh, female wrestler, if not one of. And Trish and Lita also still alive. We should let listeners know they are also living. Yes. Oh yeah, here. living legend, active legend, I should say. Uh, Trish and Lita are alive. Um, it is both of them have made appearances of late. Lita had a match not that long ago, um, but it is much more rare in pro wrestling history for female wrestlers to make comebacks as legends than it is for men. Mm. You know, I mean. Nobody bats an eye at The Rock, at the potential of The Rock wrestling into his 50s, right? He's going to make a comeback. Nobody questions his age. The Undertaker was wrestling once a year at WrestleMania into his late 50s. Um, everybody's excited to see John Cena or the potential for Stone Cold Steve Austin or whoever. You know, Triple H was wrestling forever. Um, 
Not the same with women. Now, certainly, we have there are exceptions to the rule. You know, the fabulous Mula and Mae Young were out there working as <laughs> octogenarians, although, in fact, they were a little bit younger than I think we realized they yes. were. They were just they just looked very much like older women. They did keep going until they were very until they were very old. Um, fabulous Mula, I guess, was relatively old when she was WWF champion. You know, back in our childhood. Um, but it's not that's a different sort of phase of the career situation. You know, that's like in my childhood. That was like you know. Jerry Jarrett or somebody coming out in like the tight fit polo shirt and saying, I got one more left in me, you know, whatever. That's different than John Cena coming out with his eight pack and even doesn't matter that he's like 48 years old or whatever. <laughs> um, and so it's really cool that to see Lita and Trish both sort of recapturing pieces of their prime and, and doing all this again. So it'll be really fun. It's a nice, there's, you said there's always this celebrity match. That's Logan Paul. There's also a, always a legends match. And it's like it's it's just really cool that, that Trish and Lita get to kind of fill that spot on the card this year. That's one of the coolest things about WrestleMania. Yeah, having Stone Cold come out last year here in the glass break, like, mm -hmm. that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, they, there a couple years ago they built the whole match around it was it was Sting versus Triple H, and then DX and the NWO came out to sort of back up their very you know one one on each side, and it, the whole thing ended up in just this sort of like schmas of reminiscence which is sort of that you could you know if i wrote a novel about wrestling that's probably what it would be called um <laughs> certainly if i wrote an opera Remembrance about of schmas's past <laughs> yeah. um uh brock lesnar is fighting big omos did you google omos yeah i did okay so i got some questions here too um a legitimate seven three because that's the measurement here um legitimate seven feet tall. I mean, he's legitimately one of the most impressive and like over impressive people I've ever seen in my life. Because I found his Morgan State basketball oh, no. webpage and it also says 7'3". Oh, really? But it lists him as about 100 pounds lighter than he is in wrestling. So is it believable that he has gained 100 pounds? Well, I'm 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 not discounting. I'm just wondering. Since he's his basketball dude. days, Wait, we're looking he, at look like, he looks skinny as a basketball player, so. I love uh, any athlete because I just immediately get the Jim Ross voice thing oh going. You know, you know, he was a basketball player at Morgan State. Oh yeah, I'm two two time All Conference, second team All Conference. Ginning up any possible, he is real he, athletic achievement, quote unquote. He is he is a legitimately giant dude. You would not peg him for a basketball player, despite I mean, except for the fact that he's just super tall. Um, He's a sort of quintessential, in some ways, quintessential wrestling uh, I, freak, and I use that in, a, in the in, a, in the in a, the most polite way possible. Because when you meet him, the thing, the first thing that strikes you is how big he is. But the second thing that strikes you is how proportional he is. Like he doesn't look like a monster. He looks like something that should not exist. He doesn't. He's not super lanky. Doesn't have the super long arms. He doesn't look whatever. He's built. He's proportioned like a regular person. He's just set over seven feet tall, and he's a. It's. The, then, if you get the honor of shaking his hand, which I have, um, the, the third thing you notice is how soft his hands are, and how like, and I, I mean, and you, but you kind of get the feeling he's going out of his way to not crush you. You know, uh -huh. it's just a very kind handshake. Now, soft hands are good in basketball. They're good in wrestling. Uh, hopefully, no one's going to see your hand. They touch the inside of your hands. You're just going to be punching them with the knuckles, right? You're just like, what? I guess you could choke them with the inside of your hands. Um, so he's coming in. They everybody has had different expectations for Brock Lesnar, who is a freak in his own right, and for whom and whose career is sort of winding down. Although there's, you know, whether it's whether he's done after WrestleMania, whether he has another year, whether he has ten more years, you know, I guess the his 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 savings account balance will probably tell that story. But um, he was in the main event of WrestleMania last year. Yeah, and he will continue to be in main events of WrestleMania as as needed. You know, as long as he's interested in doing it. Um, this match caught a lot of people off guard because I don't think anybody expected him to transition so quickly into the uh, kind of holy shit match uh, part of his career. Like, I'm just doing this for the for the Instagram videos or the, you know, whatever. I'm just doing this for the social hits. Um, so it didn't get a great reaction up front. I, actually, when they first started working on this program on TV, I, along with many others, thought it was a like a false flag for another match that would happen down the line, right? Or like, I'm gonna, we're gonna make this threat and then we're gonna make it a three-on-one -on match against Brock Lesnar or something. Um, but it's just gonna be one-on-one -on -one and it's gonna be the thrill of this giant guy fighting this other giant, slightly less giant guy who can throw the giant guy around. Okay, you say that. 
mm-hmm. but we are experienced with Battle of the Big Men. Uh-huh. Which always looks pretty great on paper yeah. before a wrestling card, and then you get in, and things oh. are a wee bit slow. I just got done talking to Braun Strowman, uh, another giant in WWE, and he and Big Omos had a match at a show uh, in Saudi Arabia that was one of the the best matches of the night. I, it just matters, and you, you talked to Bruce about this, Bruce Pritchard, when you interviewed him on your podcast, um, which is on the press box feed. If you're listening to this in the Mask Man show feed, you go check it out. Uh, you just got to big, you got to you got to build the right match. You got to tell the right story in the ring. And what's really cool about Omos and Brock Lesnar is they're both big men, but they can both really do impressive physical things. And if you string those things together in the right order, in the right way, there are a lot of people who think this could be the match of the night. All right. I'm excited. I'm not like the match of the night, like we're going to see something we've never seen. But well, not like Bell, it's going to be a 30 minute classic, but we might see a lot of things that we remember. The, the greatest memories might come out of this match. I'm thinking of Gorilla Monsoon saying, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yeah, this is like the immovable object meets the immovable object, sort of. <laughs> we're, we're, I'm not sure how to do that. Um, and then the other two big things from for the, fir- for the first night are there's two, we're having two different women's championship matches. There's a Raw title and there's a women's title. Um, and they're both happening on Saturday, apparently. Uh, Bianca Belair, Asuka, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley. Do you recognize all these names? I don't. Uh, but Bianca Belair, track star. So cue the JR voice again. You looked that up. I did look that up. Yeah. I didn't know if you remembered her from some bizarre coverage story you covered. <laughs> uh, yeah, elite track star and and one of the most, probably the most physically gifted uh, athlete on WWE's roster right now. If it's not her, it's her husband, is Montez Ford, who can jump over a building. But the but she's just like a blue chipper as Jr. meant it to be, you know, meant it when he said it. Um, and then, do you, Charlotte Flair? You know, of course, you've seen Charlotte wrestle a lot. You know her dad. Yeah, he she's of course is she's a bloodline. She is the sister in law of Conrad Thompson, uh, famous wrestling family. Great. Oh, wait, were you talking about somebody else? No, Rhea Ripley. You know who that is? I looked her up. She's from Adelaide. Yeah. Australia. I've been to Adelaide. You spent some time there. Nice churches in Adelaide. Yeah. She's a lifelong wrestling fan. If you if you, it doesn't take long, I think you'd probably to Google her and find a picture of her as a kid with like a Miz poster. Like she's a big she was a big fan of <laughs> of early 2000s WWE. That's cool. Um she and Bianca Belair are the two kind of pillars of the future of the WWE women's division. A lot of people thought they should be wrestling each other as a sort of statement match this year. So we'll break them up and get two matches out of it. And then lead to that at somewhere down the line. That's what yeah, we're thinking. That that would be the idea. And Charlotte Flair gets to sort of pass on the torch. You know, I guess they could both win if they do it this way, right? Charlotte Flair could conceivably lose to Rhea Ripley. Bianca Belair could retain her title against Asuka, who is uh, the last one I'm going to mention here, but is an, is a literal legend uh, of Japanese women's wrestling, and it's sort of been milling around the top of the card in her time in WWE. But this is maybe her highest point so far, and. I don't know. I think she's got a real chance to win, at least just to nudge the storyline along. But but I think that the big, at lumping these two matches together does them a disservice, except to say this. Normally, you probably have one of these matches on each night. Um, putting them both on the same night, I think, in, in a subtle way, sort of raises the stakes for both of them. And mm. since it's putting women in the main event of WWE events is a relatively new thing, at least, you know, putting them in legitimate matches uh, and of this sort is a relatively new thing. It's always a sort of, it's always a sort of unsaid contest in upping the stakes and stealing the show and proving that they belong there. And you'll always hear wrestlers like Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair talk about this when they're interviewed. And so, um, I don't know. I'm, it, it makes me, I'm always incredible, going to be incredibly excited. This, for Saturday, I'm going to be, I'm just out of my mind excited to see what these two matches amount to because either of them um, could be a match of the night. It's really, like I said, relatively recent vintage that WWE has taken women's wrestling seriously at all. And you hear people like Stephanie McMahon will talk about it and it's, it's, it's a sort of like common sense thing that people have been begging for for the longest time. But they're just like, you know, we looked around, we saw the attention that like the women's national soccer team was getting on the world stage and all this kind of stuff. And it's like people are just like dying to cheer for legitimate women athletes, not the sort of some of the ways that women were portrayed in WWE before. And I think, well, I don't know, we're really at a peak at this point. So and that change happened during my lapsed fan period. 
and has been awesome. Yeah, I mean, Lita and, and Trish, who we talked about earlier, were like legitimate, like athletic icons, but they were the, but also there were, there was other stuff that they were forced to do along the way. Yeah. And, let and it, let us say. Yeah. Well, if you want to know about that, I'm sure there's some WWE documentaries you can watch. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's truck on really quickly tonight, too. Okay. Did you Google Gunther? I did. What is your, What was your first take on looking at it? Okay. Well, my first take was I was looking at other wrestling personas. Uh-huh. He has donned over the years, and the first one was Big Daddy Walter. Yeah. Let's just say it's not the most fearsome wrestling name. He wrestled I've under ever the heard. name Walter until until he came under the WWE main roster. He's working in NXT, a WWE developmental program as Walter. That was his name. The Big Daddy part is a contrivance of European wrestling, where Big Daddy was just the name that the you know sort of barrel chested baby faces would get. There was a wrestler who was just named Big Daddy. Didn't even have the last name. Uh, who's a really famous wrestler on on British World of Sport? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just saying, Big Daddy Walter. Big Daddy Walter's Big a Daddy weird name. Walter's after you, Brian. Okay, well, I'll maybe speed. <laughs> that sounds walk, like one of like speed one of Joe away. Biden's imaginary childhood foils. Well, <laughs> went down to the rock yard, and Big Daddy Walter was waiting for me. <laughs> They're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, um, looking at Gunther now. Yeah, kind of an awesome body. Well, there's. I don't know what you're, the Google's. What, when you Google image search him, he his body has transformed over the past year, pretty or couple years, okay, pretty dramatically. Yeah, I do see some transformation. There it was, was kind of like your friend's tough dad. He used to be your friend's tough dad, and he was awesome at that. He was one of the best wrestlers in the world, and looked like an imaginary wrestler from a Popeye cartoon, you know, something. But like, yeah. But he, as you're looking at the picture now, but has gotten just ridiculously, got ridiculously fit uh, over the past year or so. He looks like he's wearing like dark socks pulled up, like the old uh-huh. guy at the gym here too. I think those are boots. He deliberately but. was trying to evoke a bygone era, like all great sort of heel uh, nationalists. He was trying to evoke an era of the past that didn't necessarily exist. Right? <laughs> he's got like the the old fashioned haircut, the high, the high, you know, the socks that are pulled way to, way up, the very just bland black trunks, and um, the body of someone who. Uh, has not been exposed to the physical to to the to the the benefits of cardio, you know. <laughs> but now he's in better shape. He's you know he, he's 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 uh, he changed his name to something slightly more imposing. Man, the, the outrage over that name change. I'm glad you weren't around for that. Yeah. And he's ta- and he's fighting with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, both of whom I know you're familiar with. But what's interesting with them is that Sheamus in particular uh, has reinvented himself as just a good match machine. Mm. Gunther's one of the great wrestlers of the world, always has good matches. And Drew McIntyre is, is great himself, fits right into this, into this. So basically we have 
Sheamus and Gunther had what a lot of people thought was last year's match of the year together, one-on-one. Now we're throwing Drew into the mix. Uh, And these guys have great matches, not in the sort of indie wrestling AEW sense of look at the look at look at these physical feats like look at the flips look at the look at the you know the the crazy spots they just like punch each other until you are beaten into submission and and acknowledge that this is an incredible match that sounds awesome it's really really cool stuff and um and the psychology is totally there it's just a different sort of thing this is again sort of in tr- the way that the Walter's character used to be portrayed this is a a a tribute to a an era of wrestling that may or may not have actually existed. This is just absolutely taking each other to your physical limit for the enjoyment of the fans, and it's going to be brutal and magnificent to watch. Dude, I can't wait. Also, uh, Drew McIntyre, one of the most normie names in professional wrestling history. Yeah, it could be a sports center anchor. Drew McIntyre. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, or a journalist. Um, he's, he's an incredible. He, he's a he is a off puttingly nice guy too. So. Hmm. I keep pushing for him to turn heel and just get really mean. I think he needs to start by maybe maybe the name is part of it. What if he was just McIntyre? What if they yeah. get rid of Drew? Now that sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> Could we fit any X's or Z's in there? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how we can. Edge, who you know, dude, Hell in a Cell. He was you know Edge was forced to retire due to a neck injury, mm-hmm. and then made a comeback a couple years ago. And we saw him at WrestleMania last year. Yeah, he had the lesser less cool music than high period edge well he changes i did not like what makes edge what makes edges return and and this whole run since then really interesting is that he has deliberately evoked a period of edge lore a different one for every big feud that he's in so he's like oh i'm so mad at you i'm gonna go back to my blank period and that music plays those tights come out you know even though he's an older man he still reaches back which is not only great because it sort of plays that whole reminiscence that I talked about earlier, we all love that part of wrestling, remembering our childhood, but it also kind of retroactively reconstructs, like it legitimizes these periods of Edge's career that weren't really periods that anybody cares about. Right. And now when I think about Edge, I'm like, he had all these really important periods. I never thought about Edge no. that, one, that way before. No. So it's been great for him and it's been really cool to see him back. But to see him back at all is really nuts, dude. He was how old is Edge? Do you have it up right there? Edge is forty-five or something like that. I mean, he's probably like, which is my age. I'm gonna make it sound like it's super old. <laughs> yeah, what period are you in, David? Edge is forty-nine years oh, old. Forty. So Edge is forty-nine years old. Could you imagine? He came back when he was what forty-seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was forced into retirement in his thirties. This would be like. This is like if Michael Irvin, after his like after his forced retirement, had come back ten years later and was like, you know what, the doctors gave me the green light, mm-hmm. and then he just started catching touchdown passes for the Cowboys all over again. Yes, yes, with the qualification that no wrestling retirement is ever real, whereas football retirements well, no, are they, often real. It, it was only until, I mean, they really it, it, this was about science, right? This is about doctors like reevaluating their stance on neck injuries and learning yeah. how to put blood platelets in things. Don't want to minimize that, but you know, there's just a history of like. Whatever wrestler I'm told is I'm never going to see oh, again. Oh, yeah, you I could watch a wrestler get his legs torn off in a car wreck and still be imagining him in WrestleMania five years later. You know, like it would, it, yes. And it, it was awesome to see him last year. Very, very cool. Uh, this is a big match because there's a lot of, been a lot of hints that his entire, that a lot of his drive at his comeback is making the next generation of wrestlers kind of helping make them household names. And one of his sort of pet projects has been this guy, Finn Balor, who's been around for a long time and is himself almost 40, uh, but has been, but has never quite made it into the top of the top of the top. He was actually the first WWE Universal Champion, but got hurt in the match in which he won it and had to relinquish the belt the next day and never made it back. Um, he is he wrestles sporadically in this character called the Demon, where he like body paints him his whole himself in, in like black body paint. I looked this up. This is a wild look. Yeah, and uh, he's gonna. Um, bring that character out at WrestleMania. They're wrestling inside Hell in a Cell, which you know from the history of Mick Foley and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels oh, and everybody else means Big boss that, man, some real classics don't, there. We're not, we, we, there are two things that don't get mentioned in pro wrestling. One is Chris Benoit's murders and the other one is Big Bo- the way Big Boss Man's <laughs> Hell in a Cell match went. Uh, the, um, this is, Hell in a Cell is awesome in general. It used to, for a while it was, a, it was an annual pay-per-view, which really diminished it because it was like, like, why would you want to get in the most 
gory match of all time because it's on the calendar. No, this should be the payoff to a long feud, and that's the way it's being used here. Um, both these guys are really gifted in the ring um, and obviously have a real vested interest in making this. I mean, listen, you don't get into a Hell in a Cell match unless you have a vested interest in the in making it awesome. Yeah. Um, this is about... This and is figuring be- out a way to make it awesome in what in which in a way that it has not been awesome before, right? Which is the real challenge. If you don't watch wrestling, and as I say on my other podcast, uh, and if you don't, thanks for listening. If you don't watch pro wrestling, you might be wondering why. Like, wouldn't every wouldn't that be every wrestling match? Hasn't everything been done before? And the whole project be trying to figure out a way to do it. Well, yeah, but you but when you put up a cage, it literally limits what you've done, and it also yes. really makes people focus in on what you're doing. Yes. Um, when I we so they WWE brought back this old WCW concept called War Games for Survivor Series this year, where two rings are caged mm-hmm. together. And I was watching a bunch of old War Games matches, and you would not believe in the heyday, but it was like Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors against the Four Horsemen. You know, in these matches, there was a like the crowd would go absolutely bonkers when like Dusty Rhodes and Road An- and Road Warrior Animal did a drop kick at the same time like double drop kicked one of the horsemen <laughs> now, you the amount of times where you just like ram a guy's face into that steel chain that the the uh, the the fence wall that would people people would go bonkers for it but you know in our culture now people's expectations get higher and the the, the process of of getting tired of something goes faster and in this, what, second, well, technically third, but second big Hell in a Cell match of all time, The Undertaker threw Mankind, Mick Foley, off the top of the cage and through the ring table, and then subsequently in the match, which, yes, kept going, threw him through the top of the cage onto his neck in the floor, and then a chair landed on his face. That set the bar. It's amazing. And the bar will never be met. No. You always talk about meeting, like, like setting a new bar. There will never be a new bar. No. The entire existence of Hell in a Cell is a self-referential sort of parody of what happened in that match. How can we do something that will even allow people to have a conversation about us in that match together, you know? And um, this one is could actually be super cool. At the end of the day, it all comes down to, you know, commitment to the craft and what you're willing to give up for your body. That's the real lesson of Hell in a Cell. And that's why Mick Foley, by the way, is one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time. Because... When he fell off the top of the cell and threw his body off the top of a steel cage and 16 feet through a table onto the concrete floor without any prep or like permission from his boss, um, that was the moment where every wrestling fan said, first, oh my God, I hope he's alive. But second, holy shit, he just did that for me. Mm-hmm. We all love wrestlers because we feel like they're in, on some level, they're putting on this show for us and they're also giving their health over to us, you know? But... Hell in a Cell is the is the most extreme version of that. Whatever happens in this match is like a very gruesome, very weird gift to every wrestling fan who's watching it. And these guys, you know, oh, care enough to make it really awesome. Uh, best demon in wrestling history? Oh, demon Finn Balor or the Kiss Demon? <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to think of another demon because I was like, there who's going to like the so, Kiss Demon's the joke at the end. There's a there, demon Kane if you want to yeah. consider him putting the mask back on. Mm-hmm. Could have tried to finagle that one in there. Uh, there's got to be another demon. I, I, I'm, I am not 100% in on Finn's demon. Okay. There's so a, there's a, the I, I am, I'm on the record. There's a little bit of a... <laughs> David Shoemaker, don't aggregate this. No. Says the kiss demon way, is the best the demon the in wrestling history. Uh, there's a little bit of a community theater aspect to parts, to, to, the, to the presentation. Uh, <laughs> but, um... But it's a great concept, and it's way, way better than the Kiss Demon. So I don't even want to think about it. Um, do you? So what do you? So okay, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. So I was fascinated by this because there've been a lot of father son in wrestling history, mm-hmm. but I don't remember a lot of father son matches. Yeah, we were trying to think about this on the on the Masked Man show. Really. I remember con- worldwide confrontations at ringside, Owen tricking Stu Hart and doing something. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, but actually getting into a ring and settling something with a match? Shane and Vince McMahon had a match. Shane and Vince. Stephanie and Vince also had a match. But there's a lot of, you know, dust and dusty Cody kind of stuff, but nothing like we are Usually going- it's a dad and a son who are wrestling together. Yes. Fritz von Erich wrestled alongside some of his sons at some point, but, and and I think- Randy Vern and Bob yeah. Randy had a thing. But usually, I think the biggest difference is, and the generation before us, 
all the dads look like look look like you know the dad from the Wonder Years by the age of thirty five, <laughs> right? So like that, no one looked like a wrestler to a large you know, by by the time that they were retired for a couple of years, they yeah. were out of shape. Could do a believable match. Yeah, and they also just didn't look like they'd be doing a no. could do a because that's what wrestling is. You look like you're doing the thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's very it's it's surprisingly rare. Um, I think Bruno and David San Martino had a, a tag together a little bit. Uh, but not against each other. Huh? Oh, yeah. Ric Flair wrestled with his son, David Flair, for a little while. Yeah. But it's different than a confrontation. Ric Flair fought David Flair. Oh, they did? Oh, they fought each other? Uh, at a Great American Bash, I believe. There you go. See, that's why okay. we have that guy, Greg, here. Wow. Um, it's, it was a, apparently not a very memorable match. But so, it was David. We said it was David. One of the things that matters, so what really matters here is this. So Dominic, so Ray brings his son, Dom, well, part of what should also be said about fathers and sons is there are a lot of great second and third generation wrestlers in the business, but there's also a whole lot of second generation, third generation wrestlers who only got the job because of their lineage or because their dad brought them in, mm-hmm. especially some of the people we've mentioned whose dads are really powerful people and people who like ran the company and you know, the various territories and stuff. Just because you were born into it doesn't mean you're good. And what makes pro wrestling different than, say, football is that there's not like there's not like Pop Warner teams that sort of weed out the talent and so you know before you get to the pros whether or not you're good. A lot of times, if your name, you know, if Nick Hogan wanted to be a wrestler, well, he probably would have gotten, at the right moment in wrestling history, he probably would have gotten a shot on TV. Right. You know, because your dad's Hulk Hogan. Well, your dad had it. Maybe you'll have it when the lights come on too. You know, you certainly have like the Q rating or whatever it's going to take for people to care. Dom, I'm going to be totally honest, felt a little bit more like a uh, a favored array than an actual, like, Randy Orton-style, Charlotte Flair-style, like, legacy great mm-hmm. when he first started out. He was no one's favorite part of the show for a long time. Even when he turned heel initially, it was a lot of like, well, they're, they're forcing this. They're just trying to get to a match between father and son. And then the strangest thing happened. They started filming these vignettes where he and his like on-screen sort of dominatrix slash best friend, Rhea Ripley, aforementioned, fighting Charlotte Flair on Saturday night, started like pestering his dad by showing up at family functions together and just being jerks. (laughs) That led to a bit where he got arrested, which then in turn led to a bit where he showed up having spent a night in the county jail and and acting as if he had spent months in prison. (laughs) <laughs> so he had a bandana wrapped around his head. He was like, you know, had a, a teardrop painted in front of his eye and he would just talk about life in prison as if he was like on six seasons of Oz. <laughs> and it became, and it was so inherently ridiculous and dumb that it became everybody's like favorite part of the show. And this guy went from a guy who seemingly couldn't like, like cut a promo to uh, with any sort of conviction to save his life. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember watching at times when he joined this group, the Judgment Day, as what he he joined them when he turned that was part of his heel term. I remember watching and feeling like you could see him when he wasn't talking. When like Finn Balor was the leader, would be there cutting the promo in the front, and the rest of the people would be standing behind. You could see Dominic Mysterio looking over at the other guys in the group to see how he should be standing. Uh-huh. Like it was this very like you could see him learning how to do this right in front of your eyes. But this prison thing has made him so funny and made him so compelling as a character. And he is has gone from probably everybody's least favorite wrestler to maybe the number two heel in the company in the span of about, what, four months? That's amazing. it's really incredible. We really, there's also always this thing where you're waiting for, like the best thing he had going for him before this heel turn was the specter of the eventual match in which Ray would pass the Mysterio lineage down to him. Does Dom get to wear the mask from now on? Does he get to become Rey Mysterio the third? I don't know how this stuff works, but we're all asking these questions. Now it's finally coming to a head and whether or not he wins, whether or not he gets the mask, whether or not, we don't really know what the stakes are. That What matters is like, we love the boo, Dominic Mysterio. Um, and we, you know, can't wait to see this father get to lay hands on his son. Who, and by the way, Ray's been dodging this match for months. He doesn't want to hurt his son, you know, but his son's finally pushed him too far. Mm, and I it's like time it. for a good old-fashioned... Mysterio family ass whooping. That's good storytelling. Yeah, it's really great. Um, you, I mean, what, what's your feeling about Ray, by the way, from like your days of like diehard fandom? Um, 
He's never my absolute favorite, but I always had like a lot of respect for yeah. him. I was a lot of fun. Yeah. I always look forward to his matches. He's sort of, the, guy, the the longer you last in the business, the more sort of beloved you become almost automatically, as I've sort of explained. He was never my favorite favorite. A lot of people I know counted him as their favorite. But man, it's crazy to watch him. He can still have match of the year candidate matches out there on any given night if he just decides to do it. He is so suppremely talented, even at his... Well, relatively advanced age. And was, he's going to retire soon. He's going say, into he's the Hall of Fame on Friday. 48 years old. He's in the edge zone. He's going into the Hall of Fame on Friday. Like He's officially entering the Hall of Fame. No, that's cool. Hopefully, we'll see Dominic Mysterio come and somehow make a mockery of the proceedings. That'll that'll be the real thing to look forward to. Uh, and then the last big match, I'm skipping over the two multi-team tag team matches because oh, we only have a limited time. The ultimate, like, what do we do with these people? Roman Reigns uh, versus Cody Rhodes for the WWE Universal Undisputed uh, Heavyweight Championship. What do you, what do you, do you know anything about this this match? Well, I got a little briefing from you about this match. Oh, before you talked to to Bruce Pritchard. Yes. Yeah. Which is that it's a little bit of a later breaking feud. It has not had the percolation of months and uh-huh. months and months. I know that Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble yeah. in order to get the shot. I also know Roman Reigns has been a title holder for about as long as the aforementioned mm-hmm. fabulous moolah at this point. Yeah. Except for real. Yeah. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days. Yeah. He's which, had one title for about a thousand and the other one for over 300. Which just strikes me as a wild storytelling challenge for people writing wrestling shows. You would think, yeah. And, and to top it all off, he's, since last year at this time, been on a sort of reduced schedule where he's not even on TV every week, let alone on both shows every week, as one would assume the unified champion would be. Other thing that popped out of me is since I kind of lapsed into, you know, semi-wrestling fandom or non-wrestling fandom, uh-huh. we just added so many words to the titles here. Oh, yeah. The undisputed WWE universal title. It's two titles. It's a unified title. There was the... They they had the WWE Championship and then the Universal Championship that were unified. And then, I guess, you know, just to make sure we know there's two lineages alive there, it's a very awkward thing. But he does carry two belts to the ring. So it's it's two physical belts, one theoretical championship. There is a lot of rumors, a lot of talk they're going to split the belts back up after WrestleMania, which they've been talking about doing for a while. Because as you, media uh, critic, can imagine... The competing forces of NBC Universal, who have Monday Night Raw on their program, and Fox, who has Friday Night SmackDown on their airwaves, each channel would like their own champion, would like someone to show up every week with a title belt. Which is fair enough. Yeah. So that might be in the offing, too. That's why a lot of people think Cody's going to win, because he's a day-in, day-out kind of wrestler, and Roman Reigns, has, despite giving more to this company than anybody else in the roster, is a little bit more of a part-time performer. Totally. And I love, from what I've seen... Uh, Cody Rhodes arc, you know. Yeah. You made my dad wear polka dots. Therefore, I'm going to kick everybody's <laughs> what ass. What do you think? Do you know Roman Reigns? You know, Roman Reigns is, of course, related to The Rock, but is the uh, is a direct descendant of the sort of Samoan wrestling dynasty. Um, he's a he's a part of that dynasty, and 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 care and that's part of the storyline they're telling is that he is the the big dog, the head of the table of this legendary wrestling family. Cody Rhodes obviously comes from a wrestling family his of his own. Um, I always think it's so funny how. Like Vince McMahon is his dad was a big wrestling promoter, but you know, Vince always talks about how like history is meaningless, basically. It's like, you know, you ask him, like, hey, were you so excited after the success of WrestleMania one? He's like, No, I was excited about WrestleMania two that night. You know, whatever. It's always what's next. But these historical figures, these characters that have all this backstory built into them, not the story you're telling, they do tell it, but the story is built in. That's what makes us really invested. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Do you, does that make you care more about the match? If you knew oh, nothing absolutely. going in, if you didn't know who either of these guys were, but I was like, it's Dusty Rhodes' son versus the grandson of the of the Wild Samoans. That is holding the door open for the Laps fan right there. Yeah. I immediately understand what's going on here. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the stakes are kind of built in. And you kind of understand. Yeah. Like, I know Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, American Dream. I know Gold Dust. Yeah. Here of we go. Of course you know Gold Dust. Um. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Cody obviously came back a year ago from AEW, the rival company. Yeah. Um, and and now he's, I mean, he walked in the door as one of WWE's biggest stars. And he's he, now he's coming to fruition. And he looks the part. That's the yeah. other thing. A lapsed wrestling fan to come in. Like, yeah, that guy looks like guys should be competing for the championship. Yeah. Well, hang around this town for the next couple of days. You'll feel that a lot. There's wrestlers hanging around LA Live and stuff. You realize, we were talking to Braun Strowman before this. And, and 
uh, Kaz, I think, called it the airport test. You know, it's like when you, if you see somebody in real life, you pass somebody in the airport, you're just like, oh, shit, that's somebody. <laughs> uh, Cody Rhodes is not the biggest dude in the world, but he definitely has that. Um, remember when Hulk Hogan had to pass the airport test for you in real life? That's oh, like, my God, yeah. He, I feel like that was just one of the great urban legends is like a relative of yours saw Hulk Hogan at the airport. Yeah. With me as my uncle, and he was just wandering down the terminal, muttering "Hercules, Hercules" the whole trying time. Trying to avoid <laughs> Craig, you know this word. <laughs> trying to avoid fans by acting like he was so preoccupied with Hercules, yeah, with, with, with a feud with Hercules, which may or may not have ever happened. Yeah, I was gonna say like. <laughs> a couple of house shows somewhere. As someone who saw, I gotta get to the next house show to deal with Hercules. As someone who went to a house show to see Hulk Hogan wrestle Killer Khan, which I don't know if that even ever made it onto national <laughs> I was television. Say, no, I'm sure. Um, I know there were some feuds that we weren't all privy to. Now, <coughs> now David, I might be a lapsed wrestling fan, mm -hmm. but I am not a lapsed autograph collector. Oh, you are. A, I know you love to get your autograph. One of my childhood passions that I still indulge in here from time to time. Uh -huh. So I've got a little bit here for you. Okay. There are a bunch of wrestlers signing autographs for money here in Los Angeles this week. Oh, like WrestleCon and stuff like that. WrestleCon, exactly. So I'm going to give you four wrestlers oh, man. from the past, and I want you to tell me the combined price of their autographs. It's like a Price is Right style game. Four wrestlers. You give me how much you think it would cost me to get an autograph. To walk you in go and to these buy things an and you generally have to pay an admission to get in. Yes. But then it's like if I want Kerm's signature, yes. it might cost 50 bucks. Exactly. Like he might whatever. But so, then if I want Stat Guy Greg's signature, I'm naming the two people in the room. Huh? <laughs> no, but he might be more. It might be 75. You know, some people might be cheaper. Sometimes you got to pay for a photo with somebody. Sometimes you don't have, you know, you have to buy the photo from them so that they'll sign it. You know, there's a lot of rules in these places. They all go by, so it's, it might be a different amount. Okay, so who do you got on the list? I don't know how much these things go for, but how much, who's on the list? All right, number one on the list, Brett the Hitman Hart. I don't get any sort of like basis for making, for, oh man. Brett the Hitman Hart, number one. It's how much I'm paying to. This is the, how much, how much it is, how much you would get be autograph. charged to buy a Bret Hart autograph. We're not, we're right. not doing the entry fee, all that stuff. Oh, okay. Number two, uh -huh. Ron Simmons. Got a little variety here. Oh. Number three. First black NWA champion, by the way. Big hit. There's a lot of history in that signature. Number three, Val Venus. Slightly less history in that signature, but still Val Venus. Oh, dude. I got to talk to Val Venus. We got to send Ben over there. Um, and number four. Uh-huh. The Berserker. Okay. You put these in descending order clearly. Yes. Uh, I'm going to So here guess, we go. Brett the Hitman Hart, Ron Simmons, Val Venus, and the Berserker. I got to figure out what the walkaway number is for Brett. That's how to start this because I think Brett, in theory, could charge anything, but there's got to be a number where people are just like, I'm not, like, I hate Brett Hart now. And I would guess it but would. But still, Brett Hart. But I don't Hart, know if that number is $250 or if it's $50. Like, I really don't know what the ceiling is. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's the fun part here I think that the I will tell you I'm gonna say the Brett number is like 150 I'll split the difference okay so 150 for Brett then I would just go probably 75 for Ron Simmons okay um, oh my God. do your math here uh, it's 225 okay 25 for Val okay and 10 for the Berserker <laughs> <laughs> alright I'm gonna give you a good deal on everybody but the Berserker uh, Bret Hart autograph price eighty nine dollars. Okay, so that's so one hundred dollars is the ceiling. One hundred dollars is the ceiling. Actually, eighty nine dollars is the ceiling. Bret I'm just Hart saying one hundred dollars is the number where they've said people will just say f you for that. So eighty nine makes it seem like you're getting a deal. Yeah, um, Bret and Ric Flair are the only two charging eighty nine dollars at WrestleCon. Uh, Ron Simmons fifty dollars for the autograph. All right. So you were going seventy five. Pretty good deal there. Val Venus thirty dollars. You right. had guessed twenty five. And the Berserker. Also $30. I thought there'd be a floor. All right. That makes sense. Now, here's my question for you. you you've talked and written beautifully about kayfabe and the uh -huh. interaction between wrestler and character your whole career in this business. Here, <coughs> he, here's a little wrinkle on that. Let us say you are somebody like the Berserker mm -hmm. and you are signing an autograph. Do you have to invent an autograph for the Berserker character? Oh no! You definitely signed the words the Berserker. Although his name is John Nord, I can tell you that much. Do you? Do you? A lot of people would put their real name and their character name. 
I, I, I'm not sure if he would do John Nord the Berserker. I think he would probably just write the word Berserker. I don't think he would do it in some sort of like, like Viking inspired. <laughs> but here's font. here's the weird part. I looked some of these up online, uh-huh. and it's just like a block print the Berserker. <laughs> so you're right. That's exactly what he did. But on the other hand, is that an autograph? Like what? What is happening here? You're just like you write, do you the like name a, of just your do a scribble or like yeah. a rune of some sort. Is that how he yeah, would do it's it? It's like you're filling out the HR form at WWE headquarters. Yeah, John Nord, character name of the Berserker. So I'm like, what am I buying? If I'm buying Ted DiBiase, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, I know, I know what that is. But what am I buying when somebody that's so deep in character, like the powers of pain, are also at WrestleCon? Mm-hmm. Somebody's just gonna write the Barbarian at the end of the signature. I have uh, Road Warrior Hawks signature no no road warrior animals autograph from my childhood and i believe it says just legion of doom animal (laughs) oh i think no no no. one of the two either legion of doom or animal is in quotes i don't remember which which one (laughs) but even that has legion of doom on it yeah um yeah that's pretty funny I don't. I don't know. It's 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 tough. If it's if you're not signing your name or what is widely perceived to be your name, it's you're in a tough boat. I just think that's the funniest thing to me, the berserker. You know, if you really want to get into autographs for this, you should look around. Go to the the talent hotel and look for people who have the WWE almanac. Oh. I don't know anyone that owns a WWE almanac in real life, but it's a big thing. It's sort of like the yearbook. You know, like your senior yearbook for autographed hunters where they're trying to get every single entry signed. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. These are my people. By the way, another weird uh, twist for WrestleCon of tag teams that sign together. So like you can get the Godwins, plural, for $30. Which I believe includes both Godwins. I don't think you have to buy two separate tickets to get Henry and Phineas. The Bushwhacker, $75 Uh for the pair. That's kind of funny to me that a tag team would also be together to sign the autographs. Yeah, especially, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of tag teams that don't like each other anymore that are doing that too, right? <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta stick with a gimmick. I remember I got a, the only auto, the only uh, photo I've ever paid for is with the Road Dog and Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws. Awesome. That was in, when WrestleMania, was that WrestleMania Miami? It was a long time ago. But as if I recall correctly, they weren't active partners. They aren't anymore now, but they weren't even like wrestling and impact or TNA or whatever together at that moment in time. They had done like They a were doing reunion. separate things, but they reunited just for the autograph signing. I can tell you this happens at autograph shows a lot. Yeah. A lot of reunions so you can get the people from the show together. Sure. That's a normal thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Buff Bagwell, just an update, no pricing available. We'll just have Oof. to decide that on the spot. There's a lot of if you want to Google Buff Bagwell, you can. There's $10, a story about his last five, year. Five dollars. Eh, we'll see. I mean, he's still got a name. Devon Dudley, forty dollars. We could do this all day. I find this fascinating because you just put the worth on everybody. Yeah, it's really amazing, right? Like in our memories, D'Lo Brown, Devon Dudley, all these wrestlers from decades, right? And then, yeah. But what can you well, charge sort of for like, your autograph? Yeah, it's like um, Ernest the Cat Beller. How much would you charge for yours? If you were a former wrestler, would you go high and say like, just listen, I don't care if nobody shows up, but it's more worth my time to get, to do five autographs and get a hundred bucks a pop? <laughs> I think I'd put it right in the middle because it's not insultingly low, but mm-hmm. you want, you know, you just, you don't want to be in the, of course, Bret Hart's going to get a million people to buy his autograph for $89. Yeah. People want Bret Hart. Ric Flair, obviously same thing. I think that's a huge that's a huge signature. Sure, but th- but that's a guaranteed yes, right? Yeah, it's like you got you're putting a lot on the line if you're a mid carter. You know, you don't you don't want to be the only one sitting there. I remember I've been, I went to an autograph signing one time, and um, who was it? It was like fairly. It wasn't super packed, but there were a lot of people milling around and stuff like that. And then you like look down to the end, and there's like Ahmed Johnson was sitting there at a table, and nobody was going near him. <laughs> That's sad, you know, because everybody's charging. Everybody knows. Also, I think that was the same one. I think that was at Miami one where I walked in the front door, and the first thing I saw was at that point a. Well, I don't know what he was on, but it, but I saw Jake the Snake Roberts, who at that point in his life was dealing with a lot of substance abuse issues, just eating a cheeseburger at a just at his signing table in one of the most kind of graphic displays of cheeseburger consumption I've ever seen. I wrote, I think that was the lead of the piece I wrote that week was Jake the Snake Roberts is eating a cheeseburger. And I believe Jake reached out to me to say that that wasn't him because he had no cheeseburgers that week and he could prove it. 
<laughs> Wait, he came back and demanded a correction? Yeah. You never told me about this. I'm not sure it was actually Jake or just someone impersonating him on Twitter. Wait, they wrote into like info at grantland.com and said, I think they I am tweeted Jake the Snake me. Roberts I think he tweeted and I have me. a correction. But this was kind of in the in the in the wild west days of Twitter before the blue check marks made everything sort of easier, which uh tune into the next episode of the press box is the world that we're re-entering almost imminently. <laughs> so happy. I don't know if Jake the Snake Roberts is DMing me or not. By the way, Brutus Beefcake $30. We, I know the I know the smart that people. Is our I know we don't like Water's favorite wrestler of all time. I know we're not supposed to like Brutus Beefcake anymore. We're supposed to look at that. Well, that was kind of ridiculous, but it's really the same price as the Berserker. Really, well, Bru- Brutus Beefcake headline WWF pay per views. Come on. What What's fascinating me is the tag teams that are still less than Brett or Ric Flair together. <laughs> Both Bushwhackers in ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Bushwhackers 75 seems high to me I'm going to be honest what was the deal Greg, I, I love the Bushwhackers the as a kid but, what was the deal with the Undertaker signing at, Wrestlema- at the Wrestlemania Access $500 it was like if there's a certain trading card rare trading card that if you, you have to sign to get in the line to get him to sign that but if you want him to sign a specific card it's like a second purchase of $500 to go into a smoke filled back room with him and he'll sign it there mm-hmm. I don't understand the signing the signature world I, the autograph world that's you got to figure this stuff out for me it's a weird world and I will say the hundred dollar 125 that's about where everything tops out mm-hmm. for like celebrities oh you know, really like Tom Cruise isn't coming to an autograph convention right? right so the kind of people that would come if you get that ultra high person yeah so the wrestlers are right in line there for sure Brian when we were kids used to just like just for the record used to like find wrestlers addresses on like AOL <laughs> you know like AOL well, listservs just a couple of them not just wrestlers there are also weird sitcom stars from the mm-hmm. 70s and stuff and like game show hosts yep. newscasters Guilty. and he would just like send a self-addressed stamped envelope to this like wrestler's address in hopes that he would return, mm-hmm. that wrestler would return a signed eight by 10. With a long letter, yeah. Oh yeah, you would write a letter. Yeah. What do you have to your kid? You had time to write letters. Dear Mr. Be Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news, if I may. You know? <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of that from our Um, All right, well, thank you so much for doing this, man. I hope somebody who's a last fan of pro wrestling uh, is going to watch pro re- going to watch WrestleMania this weekend. Listens to this to catch them up. It's so fun, and now that you know, I don't have to tug on your sleeve and ask you for the backstory to all these matches. We can, I can just drink beer. Well, we can drink beer, and I can also imitate old announcers during the match. Oh, Two, yeah. three, got him. No, he didn't. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. It's going to be great. Well, I'll see you at WrestleMania, man. See you there. <laughs> <laughs>